Howdy doody everybody and how are you all doing? So you're tuned in to the Nasty Pasty podcast, hopefully on purpose of course, where we cover nothing culinary whatsoever except for the occasional segue into human flesh. So instead you have me, Mr Andrew Roberts, your resident filth finder who plucks the most suspicious of packages from the video nasty era and analyses why the moralist conservative busybodies of the 80s didn't touch certain films and only condemned others. I believe the term's actually cognitive dissonance, but we won't quarrel. Where's the fun in that? Anyhow, the films that did feel the full wrath of the authorities at the time are not actually found here and can be found on the Video Nasties podcast by Christopher Brown or The Strange and Deadly Show by Mr Chris Clayton and Mr Tom Elliott. And you can find all these guys hanging around on Twitter somewhere... In this anthropophagic episode, we'll find that it's okay to criticise someone for sexual assault, even if you inappropriately touch someone yourself. It's that cognitive dissonance again. You should always watch your friend die in horrific ways, but draw the line at gang rape. And meaningful relationships can be untangled within the space of a few days by a man-eater who scoffs papayas. Today's shameless episode of Nasty Pasty is on Sexy Cannibals, featuring two cannibal films whose focus is not strictly on the cannibalism, but is more than preoccupied with body parts. So we're all familiar with the cannibal genre, with uh, Cannibal Holocaust and Cannibal Ferox probably being emblazoned in people's memories. However, before, and in the midst of these examples, auteur-director Joe D'Amato was making a whole slew of films that mixed the erotic with extreme violence, some of them with hardcore pornographic scenes, such as Erotic Nights of the Living Dead and Porno Holocaust. Some of his erotic pictures were cannibal-related, which is where today's films come in. So it's 1977's Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals and 1978's Papaya, Love Goddess of the Cannibals. While still featuring cannibalism to a degree, the main focus of these films are naked shenanigans and nude women amongst tropical settings, most often the Dominican Republic in the Caribbean. So D'Amato would return to this experimental cannibal phase with 1980's Black Orgasm, which we'll be covering later on the show, but first, let's explore Joe D'Amato just a little bit first. So he was born in 1936 as Aristide Massachese in Rome, and D'Amato began working as an electrician for his father at age 14, but he soon worked part-time after school as a stagehand and a cameraman on various local film sets. He attended grade school from 1953 to 57, and got his first opportunity to work as an assistant cameraman shortly after graduating. In 1969, he got his first cinematography break, and he worked on a multitude of films up to 1974, including What Have You Done to Solange, which we're covering later in Nasty Pasty. His first directorial debut, however, was 1972's Go Away, Trinity Has Arrived in El Dorado. And D'Amato wouldn't really direct any horror until 1973's Death Smiles on a Murderer, which was a giallo. He then swiftly moved on to his erotic pictures with the Black Emmanuel series, which included Emmanuel and Francois, Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals, and Emmanuel in America. As mentioned previously, he occasionally blended the erotic and horror genres and knocked out a few of those types of his films in the midst of his erotic work. 
One of his more memorable and most critically commercially successful films was 1979's Beyond the Darkness, or Buio Omega in the original Italian, while two of his early 80s films, namely Anthropophagus the Beast and Absurd, they found themselves at the centre of controversy in Britain as they were both successfully prosecuted as video nasties and withdrawn from the shelves. Tomato then moved purely onto hardcore pornography for the majority of the 80s and 90s, occasionally breaking away to produce or assist with other Italian horror films, such as Stage Fright, Ghost House, Creepers, or Killing Birds. Tomato would leave us tragically in 1999, when he had an unexpected fatal heart attack at his home in Rome at the age of 62. So anyhow, let's start with Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals. Emmanuel, photojournalist extraordinaire, is undercover at a mental hospital in New York when a nurse suddenly appears with her breast bitten off, having been torn off by a feral female patient. Investigating, Emmanuel discovers a tattoo on the girl which matches the Apiaca tribe of cannibals, long thought to have died out. On the request of her editor, she contacts Professor Mark Lester at the National History Museum to ask him about the subject. Interested in the story, Mark offers to accompany her to the Amazon, and they both sleep together. Upon arrival in the Amazon, they meet Wilkes, who's organised the exposition, as well as his daughter Isabel and sister Angela, who's a visiting missionary. Isabel spies on Emmanuel and Mark as they have sex, and in the morning, Isabel and Angela choose to go with the expedition, as the sister is going back to her commune. After Emmanuel is attacked by a python, the group encounter Hunter Donald, his wife Maggie, and their guide Salvatore, who informs Sister Angela that her mission was attacked by cannibals and with no survivors remaining. Maggie cheats on her husband with Salvatore, with Donald spying on her, but instead of getting angry, he mentions that they should stick together to the original plan, and the group moves further into the jungle the following day. Entering the cannibal's territory, the group soon discover Sister Angela missing, who has been kidnapped and has her breasts sliced off and eaten by the cannibals. 
After setting up camp, Donald tries to molest Isabel, provoking a violent reaction from Mark. While on watch later that night, Donald wakes Maggie and they slip out of the camp, heading to a plane where there's a stash of diamonds, which is their real objective. Making love in celebration, the couple are soon captured by the cannibals and taken to their village, with Emmanuel and her group in hot pursuit. Unfortunately, Salvatore is killed and Isabel is kidnapped, with Mark and Emmanuel escaping. They sneak closer to the village, witnessing Maggie being disemboweled and Donald being bisected at the waist before Isabel is drugged and gang-raped. Emmanuel has an idea to paint the tribe's symbol on her stomach and emerge from the water to trick them into thinking she's their goddess. The plan works and Isabel is saved. The group then flee on a speedboat that Mark has liberated and after fighting off the last pursuing cannibals, Emmanuel begins to wonder what she's actually achieved in coming to the jungle. I'm afraid I must reload. What, again? For my article. I need a lot of pictures. Don't shoot it, too dangerous. Are you all right? Let me get it off. Filmed and released in 1977, Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals is more of, an a ty- more of a typical cannibal film than it is a sexploitation flick. That's not to say that it isn't sexploitation, as it clearly is, but we'll explore that more in a little bit. Ruggiero Diodato's Last Cannibal World was released earlier the same year, which was released in the UK as just plain Cannibal on VHS, and this ended up as a Section 3 video nasty. D'Amato had seen Deodato's film and noticed a niche in the market that was beginning to spike in popularity, so rather than ignore it, he put Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals into production, mixing the cannibal genre with the Emmanuel exploitation series of which he'd already made, Emmanuel and Francois, and Emmanuel in Bangkok. So the star of this film is Laura Gemser, who first appeared as the Emmanuel character in Beto Albertini's Black Emmanuel in 1975, but she first appeared under Joe Tomato in Emmanuel in Bangkok. So she was born as Lorette Marsha Gemser in Java, Indonesia, and she moved to the Netherlands when she was only four years old and grew up in Utrecht, studying fashion design at Artibus Art School. She then went on to become a model due to a very slender figure, and she was published in men's magazines in both the Netherlands and Belgium before relocating to Italy in the mid-70s. She got her first on-screen role in 1974's Free Love, and she then went on to star in 1975's Emmanuel II as well. But it was on the set of her next movie, however, that Gemser met Gabrielle Tinti, who plays Professor Mark Lester in Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals. And the pair fell in love, even though that there was an age difference. The couple married in New York, and Gemza soon became an Italian citizen due to this connection that she had with Tinti, going on to star in more Emmanuel films such as Emmanuel in America, Sister Emmanuel, uh, Confessions of Emmanuel, and Emmanuel Queen Bitch. She also made some appearances in other exploitation films of the 80s, such as Erotic Nights of the Living Dead, uh, Caligula the Untold Story, Caged Women, Violence in a Woman's Prison, and Endgame Bronx's Final Fight, the latter two of which she appeared in with her husband Gabrielle Tinti. 
She'd also use her fashion degree and work as a costume designer on some productions, most famous of which is the worst movie ever made, the very fun Troll 2. Unfortunately, in the late 80s, Gemser appeared less and less in the public eye, as Gabrielle Tinty had fallen ill and she dropped out of the movie business to look after him. Sadly, he passed away in 1991, with his final credit being 1985's pseudo-cannibal film Cut and Run from Ruggiero Diodato. Susan Scott, whose real name is Nieves Navarro, plays the unfaithful Maggie, and she was married to Giallo director Luciano Ecoli, and actually acted in a few herself, such as Death Walks on High Heels, Death Walks at Midnight, as well as Sergio Martino's All the Colours of the Dark. She then appeared in some sexploitation pictures, including this one by D'Amato. And Donald O'Brien, who plays his namesake Donald in the film, had previously appeared in Spaghetti Westerns, before he went into Italian exploitation films, such as this film, uh, Inglorious Bastards, the original, uh, Zombie Holocaust, and also Ghost House, which we covered on an earlier episode. Now, the wild cannibal girl in the beginning was actually an uncredited role by Cindy Ledbetter, who would appear in Joe D'Amato's video nasty movie Absurd, as well as Bruno Mattai's Rat's Night of Terror, while the film has another uncredited appearance by Hal Yamanachi as Manolo, who not only appeared in cult movies like the video nasty The Last Hunter, but he also appeared in 2019 After the Fall of New York, 2020 Texas Gladiators, the House of Lost Souls, and Joe D'Amato's Endgame Bronx's Final Fight. But he also played character roles in much higher profile pictures, such as Sinbad and the Seven Seas, uh, Zoolander 2, and The Wolverine. Now, while the film's supposed to be set in the Amazonas, certain glaring geographical errors reveal the mismatch. Emmanuel is attacked at one point by a Burmese python, and she's saved by Donald, while another scene has a chimpanzee rummage through luggage and starts smoking while Emmanuel and Isabella are bathing. Chimpanzees and Burmese pythons are not native to the Amazonas, but arguably geographical accuracy is not exactly what this film is aiming for. So instead what we have is actually a fairly typical cannibal film, with just lots of added sexiness. Emmanuel, like the many other Western characters in this genre, wants to explore the jungle to look for the Apiaka tribe. And her journalistic background harkens back to the Mondo origins of the genre, which usually involve documentarians or journalists reporting on exotic locales. But she also resembles a very early altruistic example of the more grotesque depictions of journalists in Deodato's Cannibal Holocaust. The storyline is easy to follow, but has little substance to it other than getting to one sex scene to another, until the jungle section starts to involve the cannibals more prominently, and then the blood starts to really flow. We get some truly nasty scenes of cannibalistic mayhem in this, such as breasts being bitten off, nipples hacked off and eaten, machetes to the vulva and the guts subsequently ripped out, and a rather silly looking bisection with a rope. There's also the first instance in a cannibal film of found footage being shown, as Emmanuel is shown by Mark some stock footage of a tribe, which shows a graphic castration and scenes of flesh-eating. It's a bit humorous, because she finds it exciting enough to actually sleep with him, but it is notable that Deodato has a similar plot device in Cannibal Holocaust, with the green Inferno footage. And it also ticks that checkbox of featuring a male castration, which is a very common trope in almost every cannibal flick. While Emmanuel and everyone around has sex constantly, often at ridiculous times and with very bizarre motivations, 
The action's actually kept to a softcore standard, unlike some of D'Amato's other films of the time, and there's no hardcore version of the film in existence. While I enjoy the film for its not-so-serious tone and easy-to-follow plot, it's hard to place in terms of who the film is actually going to appeal to. Because as a cannibal film, it's structured okay, but the gore sequences are placed in the last half an hour of the film, meaning there's a lot of tedium to get through for the gore hounds among us. But that's very similar to D'Amato's structure of Anthropophagus, which suffers from the same problem. And as a sexploitation film, the sexy scenes are seemingly thrown in, and while strong, they're not the most erotic, and nor are they necessarily titillating, especially because they're bookended by all these gore scenes. Without truly satisfying either audience, the film does feel a little bit flat on both fronts, but having said that, it is very rare to have such a combination of strong sex and strong horror in one package, and I get the impression it's only really Joe D'Amato who can do that stuff kind of that effectively. The film was released in UK cinemas in 1978, but it was rated X and was cut extensively to all the scenes of lovemaking and the gore scenes. So a subsequent re-release on VHS followed in the US under the title Trap Them and Kill Them, and could possibly have done the rounds on the VHS black market in the UK. Being both a cannibal film and the fact that it was an Emmanuel film would have guaranteed inclusion on the nasties list had it been officially available in the UK market. But the film wouldn't get another UK release until 2001, when Orbit Video released it on DVD. But this version was censored by 1 minute 58 seconds, to remove Sister Angela's nipple being sliced off, uh, Maggie's disembowelment via her vagina, and also Isabel's gang rape, all in accordance with the BBFC's very strong policy of sexualised violence and blood on breasts. And this version was persisted until the cuts were waived when 88 Films released the film on Blu-ray and DVD in 2015. And that was Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals. So let's move straight on to D'Amato's other film, Papaya, Love Goddess of the Cannibals.
A sensuous woman called Papaya wanders the beach, entering a hut with a man whom she begins having sex with. But suddenly she castrates the man using her teeth and leaves the hut with two men setting the hut on fire afterwards. Later, at a cockfight, Sarah meets with her geologist friend Vincent, and the two retire to their hotel room to make love, only for Sarah to notice a dead body dumped inside. It's the latest in a spate of killings on the island involving men that are working on the new power plant to be built in Las Ventas. Though shook up, Sarah and Vincent go out sightseeing and meet Papaya while they're driving, who later has them follow her to her quiet village. Curious, Sarah and Vincent enter a building that Papaya goes into and is told that they've been expected. Going in further, Papaya and her tribespeople are undergoing a hypnotic dance involving the partial cannibalism of a dead man's heart, the gutting of two dead pigs, and the imbibement of hallucinogenic drugs. Sarah and Vincent participate, with the dance eventually turning into an orgy, and the couple waken into a different hotel room with Papaya watching over them. While she seduces the pair when they bathe, Sarah is then suddenly kidnapped by the two men who set the hut on fire in the opening, and she's then barricaded inside a building. While imprisoned, she notices Papaya seducing another man who looks completely besotted so much that he's ill, and escapes the room with the help of the local children, sure that Papaya is up to something. She gets lost in the town, however, while Papaya seduces Vincent and he becomes smitten by her. Sarah eventually gets back to warn Vincent, but he dismisses her claims and says the Papaya loves him. A frustrated Sarah leaves him and wanders the town for a way out, while Papaya allows her two male friends to enter Vincent's house and kill him, confirming Sarah's suspicions. Sarah is suddenly pursued by the local children who helped her escape, and they cut her off, allowing the two men who kidnapped her to recapture her. Fortunately, however, they're not hostile, and they explain themselves to her. Papaya and her cannibal tribe are murdering the men involved with the nuclear power plant in order to avoid it being established on Las Ventas. In a fit of passion, Sarah makes love with one of the men, who actually appears to be Papaya's lover. So Papaya, in a jealous rage, attempts to stab Sarah until she reasons with her and explains that it means nothing. Papaya, now interested in Sarah's understanding, sleeps with her and the pair form a bond. Sarah then meets up with a fellow physicist intending, intending on starting the nuclear project, and she hitches a ride with him, meeting Papaya on the way similar to the beginning. Feigning that she doesn't know her, Sarah invites Papaya into the vehicle, and they knowingly look at each other as the vehicle drives off, the physicist's fate unknown. Oh, no caring girlfriends, right? That's what I said. Would you be staying here until they finish building your nuclear reactor? Huh? More or less. Goody. Getting impatient. Right over there is a waterbed that doubles as a fine carpet at times. Beds, always beds. You should have been an accountant, not a geologist. <laughs> What's so terrible about mixing comfort with lovemaking, huh? After Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals, uh, Joe D'Amato travelled to the Dominican Republic to make a bunch of sexploitation flicks. Now, two of these were influenced by his previous cannibal film. This was 1978's Papaya Love Goddess of the Cannibals and Orgasmo Nero, which in English means black orgasm. But this film follows the tale of seductress Papaya, 
who's a member of an island tribe who have cannibalistic rituals, who then proceeds to seduce and kill a team of physicists and businessmen who are trying to start a nuclear facility on the island. To this end, it's rather far removed from the usual storyline of a typical cannibal film, and has little resemblance to other films in the genre, with only a few connective images peppered throughout. The opening murder features both a male castration and cannibalism, as our raven-haired succubus bites off a guy's ghoulies with her teeth. The only other instance of cannibalism is later during a very trippy dancing ritual that feels lifted directly from a Mondo film, in which a heart is plucked from a corpse and bitten into. Other elements of the genre do bleed in occasionally, such as the plot of the greedy westerners trying to exploit the island's natural resources to start a nuclear reactor, and subsequently the natives fighting back. While not actually featuring true animal cruelty, there's a cockfight shown in Sarah's introductory scene, but it's been filmed in such a way as to avoid showing any barbarism, while another scene features pig carcasses being disemboweled. It's as though D'Amato wanted to include these scenes to thematically link papaya to the cannibal genre, but has skirted around actually participating in animal cruelty itself, which is actually rather noble. With these little elements in place, it's apparent that D'Amato has simply transferred the action from a jungle to a small Caribbean village, and has put a lot more focus on softcore sex gropings and tussles. Papaya, who's played by Eritrean actress Melissa Comenti, is both attractive and cunning, displaying both her naked body and her stalwart allegiance to her people on her island. Sarah, played by sexploitation siren Sierpa Lane, frequently does the horizontal mambo with her buddy Vincent, who's played by French actor Maurice Poli, and also participates in several scenes with both Papaya and other men. Similar in style to the previous film, Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals, the film is actually just mostly a pastiche of sex scenes, broken up with some kidnappings, murders, strange hypnotic dances, and exotic location shots, and this, unfortunately, does make the film a little bit of a chore, as the nudity becomes pretty incidental by the halfway point, and the sex scenes, while having quite attractive participants, are just not as erotic, mostly because of how insistent they are on showing skin rather than actually building up erotica. And also, as pretty as it is to look at, we all know that going to Pound Town on the beach is not going to be pleasant. Melissa Comenti, who plays the titular role, was born in Eritrea as Maria Rosa Comenti. After appearing in 1973's western Chino, uh, Comenti went on to star in a couple more comedies, such as 1974's Farfalon and Carambola. And after starring in this movie, she then made an appearance in Poliziotesco film, uh, Gardenia. Serpa Lane, who was born in Finland, also starred in some other exploitation pictures, such as 1977's Nazi exploitation film Nazi Love Camps 27, as well as the sexy sci-fi epic The, ba- the Beast in Space, before she actually succumbed to AIDS-related complications in 1999, aged just 46. Maurice Poli had made some minor appearances in some high-profile pictures, such as The Longest Day and Tom Dollar, and he went on to have quite a large repertoire of Italian appearances, such as Mario Barber's Five Dolls for an August Moon. One of the more famous faces, however, though uncredited, is the ritual leader, played by Peruvian character actor and professional wrestler Dakar. Apart from appearing in this film, he had more recognisable roles in the undead epic Zombie Flesh Eaters, and also the cannibal film Zombie Holocaust. 
Most of the other cast members are unknown, and there's a real lack of information on the picture due to its obscurity. But we do know that some interesting folk worked on the film. So, producer Carlo Maietto uh, previously worked on a bunch of women in prison pictures and giallo films, such as Sex Life in a Woman's Prison and Five Women for the Killer. And he'd eventually go on to produce the late Umberto Lenzi's historical action flick, Iron Master. Writer Roberto Gandas would graduate from this film and work on Lombardo... Lamberto Barthas Macabre, which we'll be covering later, and also the video nasty Madhouse, which was directed by Ovidio G. Asinitis. Not strictly correct, but I'll say it anyway, eagle-eared viewers may find some familiar tones in the soundtrack, and you'd be right. Stelvio Cipriani uh, composed the jazzy soundtrack to Papaya, and he famously worked on Mario Barber's brilliant Bay of Blood, which was prosecuted as a video nasty under its bloodbath title. Of course, he was a huge player in Italian cinema anyway, and he'd worked on a bunch of other films, such as The Iguana with the Tongue of Fire, What Have They Done to Your Daughters, Rabid Dogs, Deported Women of the SS Special Section, Tentacles, Sister Emmanuel, The Bloodstained Shadow, The Great Alligator, The Video Nasty uh, Nightmare City, Piranha 2 The Spawning, and the hilarious Spanish slasher Pieces. We'll be covering a few of these later on the show, but so do listen out for some more Stelvio. Unfortunately, in a first for me, the film is actually so obscure, I can't actually find any records indicating a release outside of its native Italy, not even any subsequent VHS release. I assume that it was released in 1978 in Italian cinemas, but it received no other worldwide release. No VHS copy exists in either the US or the UK, and it only remained available in its native country under the title Caribbean Papaya. Only very dedicated VHS collectors would have been able to get a hold of this movie at the time, as it seems even nigh impossible to procure a VHS copy today. The first time it became available in the UK was in 2010, when Shameless Films released an uncut version on DVD. But if the film was more available at the time, it certainly would have attracted the attention of the DPP, due to its combination of very strong sex and gore effects. But as it stands, however, this was an instance where a film is so obscure that it avoided general release in the two major regions. And that was Papaya, Love Goddess of the Cannibals, and the end of another Nasty Pasty episode, everybody. So after having seen these sexy cannibal movies, it's my understanding even more so that Joe Tomato is actually quite hit and miss. But what did you guys think? If you have any feedback on our shows, including this one, or even in the future, please do send your thoughts in either email form, or you can record a little bit of dialogue too if you prefer. 
Send anything you like to nastypastypodcast at gmail.com or you can join us on Facebook or Twitter as we regularly update it with the latest info about our podcast. Next week, in anticipation of one of the scariest nights of the year, there's only really one choice to cover for Halloween. We're covering classic slashes next week, guys, and that's including John Carpenter's Halloween and Wes Craven's Nightmare on Elm Street. And I'm sure that everyone has something to say about this one, so please do get in touch. Huge thanks as ever to all my listeners, and I will see you all next week on the Nasty Pasty podcast. Farewell, yo, pow!